Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Do you have a strategy for action in your life? Okay, so I'm going to go on a shallow note first and say yes. Because this morning, our strategy was to make sure that we had our foo-foo coffee, really a hot milkshake, <laughs> um, a hot you know, coffee milkshake in hand before we delivered our wise concepts and our humble opinion to the world yes, on radio this our day. our wise concepts. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And do not mock or underestimate that strategy. Okay. It's actually delightful this morning having our hot coffee with you. I am, I am enjoying <laughs> the experience, and we hope you out there are enjoying your experience today. And before we get too far into our show, you're listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. Well, don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well. Okay, we're excited about today's show because we have two amazing guests. Both are well-known authors who are literally changing culture and making a huge difference and impact. And we are asking you the question, do you have a strategy for action in your life? Well, you know, you really can't have a strategy. That's a deep question we started off with. That's why I had to go shallow right away (laughs) because that was a deep question. And you can't have a strategy unless you know what you need to strategize to activate. Well, yeah. Well, in other words, what do you carry that you must do something about? Well, and you know, that's talking about carrying things. It's, it's, we talk about this a lot, Mm -hmm. but you you see so many needs and this is conversation, you know, as women, a lot of times we have, gosh, there's so many great causes. There's so many needs. It's like, where do you begin? And, and I, we want to we want to do it all, mm-hmm. and and we struggle with that to stay focused because we like there's that need yes we can we can help that whether it's you know the sex trafficking or it, you know it's poverty or it's homeless or there's so many needs that are screaming for your attention and you, and you can carry that guilt really mm-hmm. well when you feel like I need to take care of that I need to do that well and and it's it's even beyond guilt you literally are passionate you you hear a story and you're like okay this wrecks me I I am sold out. What do I need to do? I am ready to act. I'm ready to act. And then we realize we have our hands in so many pieces of the pie. And then the reality of life starts happening and screaming yes. for your attention. You're like, okay, that was a great thought and it was a great intention. But, but I'm doing a mediocre job rather than like hitting it out of the park and doing it with excellence because you have so many plates. That it's you're so easy to, to feel fragmented. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, in, and all over the place. Well, I, uh, I read... In my reading time, I, I read a I read a quote that really of talking about the subject of you know seeing all these mm-hmm. needs and causes and then how what is a what is our response or what should it be? This is a great quote and it said a mature it's by Greg Carmer and it says a mature understanding of the unity of the body of Christ allows us to care about everything Christ cares about, but to carry only what He has given us to bear. I got to tell you, it was one of those things. It was like the light bulb went on or off, whichever it's supposed to do. <laughs> and, and it was like, okay, 
yeah, it's okay. We should care about, you mm-hmm. know, what wrecks, you know, Christ's heart. It should wreck our heart. We should care. But, but we're each wired to carry only so much. Mm-hmm. And he gives us that burden. And once you have that burden that kind of hits you and go, okay, I'm going to carry this particular thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I can, hopefully if we all carry something, then mm-hmm. all the, the causes and the cares in the world would get taken care of. Mm-hmm. But it just starts with just activate something in your life. Well, and I think as women, because we do have, we're kind of wired that way to nurture more that be, we, we do end up carrying a lot of, of the burden in just our heart and what wrecks us. And so we have to be careful because not only is it fragmenting our lives, but it's overwhelming who we are as, you know, whatever, a, a wife, a mom, um, whatever, a leader in ministry. And so, I mean, we're big on having fun and placing all the humor and ch- changing your temperament up because it can be difficult. And I know even when you and I, you know, just... There's a smile on your face. There, there comes something. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because I know when we go out with our teens, and I'll just give an example when we go into um, some of the strip clubs, that we have a tendency to be, you know, we'll be praying one minute and it'll just be such a significant time of prayer. And then we turn right around to sarcasm and having a blast. And I think um, we have a tendency to be able to turn it on and off. And and some of our team will look at us like, okay, you guys are crazy. It's like, how did you, how did you do that? Now all of a sudden you're having fun and games. But I think God has just wired us that way. So we don't carry. And we're okay with crazy. Yes. Crazy's okay. <laughs> but it goes back to, and what we're talking about is not just having the good intentions, but doing something about it. And like you said, what is your strategy? What is your what does your action plan look like? And and it's not to be as an overwhelming statement, but you mm-hmm. know, have you identified something that really does wreck your heart that has got your attention that you go, okay, I'm gonna do something about this. Well, a great quote from our guest, Daniel Ryan Day, that we're going to have on in just a few minutes. he's says, life is full of good intentions, but far too many. Our good intentions never become good intentions. They don't move us forward, draw us closer to God, or make a difference in the world. Or they don't come good actions. <laughs> or they don't come good actions. <laughs> good intentions I love don't when we misquote a good quote. <laughs> shall, shall we share the misquote that one time when we... <laughs> No, we, we, we're not going to do that. But, you know, you're absolutely right because it is, it is um, for so many of us, and we put our, ourselves in that picture, um, our good intentions never do become good actions, and, and they don't move us forward. So today we're going to talk about what, is, what could that look like and really challenging ourselves, too, mm-hmm. in this picture. And we have, like I said, we have two amazing guests that are going to be talking more about this and what this could look like. But talking about identifying a burden that you must carry, um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I... I was in Jordan and Palestine and, you know, just walking the streets. Mm-hmm. It's something, I mean, you can read about places, but when mm-hmm. you're there and you're walking the streets and you're engaging your senses and mm-hmm. you're smelling the smells and you're feeling the textures and you're talking to the people and you're looking in their eyes and you're hearing their stories. It changes everything. It changes everything. Mm-hmm. It, it just, you know, it, it touches your heart in a way. And uh, a lot of times, you know, it, it's one of those things you come back and you go, okay, because of what I've seen and what I've heard, I have a new responsibility mm-hmm. to act. And what does that look like? So I've come home still processing what, mm-hmm. what do I need to do as a result of what I've seen. And, you know, it's, it's, it, I, and also I had a conversation just yesterday with um, 
some friends who live overseas. And it was interesting because I knew we were talking about what do you carry? And they were talking about, oh, the stories we hear over here are just gut-wrenching, mm. just full of pain. And we have no idea. And it's just, it's more the majority of people that are dealing with, you know, very significant pain in their lives. And, and this person said, you know, it, it, sometimes it's just too much to carry. Mm-hmm. And I thought it is sometimes it just is too yeah. much to carry mm-hmm. and we can't carry it all, but we can carry one or two things. A sliver of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, like last week, um, what, what wrecked me Why you were out being wrecked. Actually you, you did that. You went overseas and you came back and you were sharing that it, it truly did wreck you. And then you went off to, to Disneyland. So once again, we go into this major, like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. It was a I'm, huge paradigm shift. We, we, did, we went to the happiest place on earth last week. Yes. 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 Which is good. It's a good way to end um, being completely wrecked is to go to the happiest place on, on earth. But it, that, that is what's fun. Sometimes we feel because you, you are feeling guilty because of how blessed we are. And mm-hmm. it's easy to um, feel like you almost have to beat yourself up rather than look and be grateful at all the blessings that you have. Well, I went last week um, because you were off meeting Mickey Mouse. <laughs> to a premiere screening, which is awesome. We were both invited to this movie called Gimme Shelter. And I have to, uh, it was, I, I, I told you about it. It was amazing because it's based on this inspiring um, true story. And it centers on a courageous uh, young girl. And it's played by Vanessa Hutchins, which I, w- I will tell you, since you weren't there, I brought my daughter. And she loved because Vanessa Hutchins is the gal that starred in all the high school musicals. And you wouldn't even have recognized her. It, it, she just did such a fabulous part. Um, but anyway, she finds herself homeless. And she is basically forced to flee her abusive mother. And she's turned away by her Wall Street father, which is played by Brendan Fraser. I mean, just amazing actors and actresses in this movie. And she finds herself on a desperate and isolated journey of survival. And the movie was fabulous. It was a courageous story. But what is amazing is at the end, when you when you experience just a, a, a story at that level that it, it makes you just, it's like something whispering. Yes. That you need to do something. And that something is now. And what I I was, the impact of after the movie where they had the producer and the director um, interviewing the gal who owned this shelter that, um, that the story is based on. And uh, some of the, the gals that were in there watching the movie, they were sharing their own stories of just, you know, a year ago I was a meth addict and now here I am because of people like this gal who own the shelter, people like you that are doing something and they are, they're getting out of apathy and they're going, you know what? No, I can make a difference. Even if I can only have a home for seven girls, Mm -hmm. even if I can only take in two foster kids, even if I can only adopt one child. And that's, that was the amazing part where you're going, okay, what am I doing? What is my strategy plan? And we do have three tips, um, for that strategy plan. Well, and three tips for overcoming apathy and and being stuck in that mode of I, I have good intentions because mm-hmm. we all can stay there. And mm-hmm. we, sometimes you think because you're, you're in, I have good intentions. You feel like you're doing something, but you're really not. Mm-hmm. You're stuck. And so the first of, of the three is call it out, address it. Like mm-hmm. I am stuck. Yeah. I'm stuck right here. I'm being a little apathetic. It's not tugging at me. Like maybe it should, I, I should do something. I'm about hearing it. the whispers, but I just mm-hmm. go somebody else. Is going I'm going, no, 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 no. Basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the second tip would be talk it out. You know, process it with somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you start verbalizing it, especially as women, we like, we need to talk it out 
and process out loud. So once you start doing that, then I, things start coming to mind. You start realizing things. That Especially you when you're talking it out, not only with um, just in your in your friendships, but with God. You start talking it out, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, he starts putting these ideas. And you start realizing mm-hmm. things that you haven't realized. Things come to the surface. And then the third tip would be challenge out. Um, many times it's a lack of feeling challenged that keeps us stuck. We're mm-hmm. in that place because we don't know. And nobody's asking us a good question. Yes. They're asking us that question to move us past it causes us to think in a different way or, or think more deeply well and that that is such a great point because you call it out talk it out challenge it out but then you have to ask the right questions well as we go into our break what has captivated your heart lately that has caused you to think more deeply and given you a desire to act we're going to take a quick break and we'll return with two amazing guests who are authors we'll be right back This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Finally, a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife. The show is Second Wind. Here's what certified coach, author, and host of Second Wind, Joyce Buford, wants you to know. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. We all need cheerleaders, someone who's on our side. Second Wind is that program to help women connect with other women, hear other women's stories. In a stressful world. Find power. In those stories, learn to discover your passions and joys again. Create the life you want to live to the fullest. Join us for Second Wind with Joyce Buford, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central, right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Yes, back to our show. Joining us now is our special guest, Patrick Morley, chairman and co-CEO of Man in the Mirror. For three decades, Patrick Morley has been regarded as one of America's most respected authorities on the unique challenges and opportunities that men face. After spending the first part of his career in the highly competitive world of real estate development, Patrick has been used throughout the world to help men think more deeply about their lives. And in 1989, he wrote The Man in the Mirror. 
a landmark book that poured from his own search for meaning, purpose, and a deeper relationship with God. With over 3 million copies, this best-selling book has captured the imaginations of men worldwide and was selected as one of the 100 most influential Christian books of the 20th century. Well, with that said, we just have to welcome and we are so honored to have Patrick today on our show. Hi, how are you? Well, we are doing great, and you've you've been doing a lot. <laughs> it, it, we're excited to talk to you, and, and uh, we love that you have um, you, you kind of started with um, just uh, from your own personal journey, your search for meaning and purpose, and where that has taken you. And that's a great place to launch something is from your, you know deep inside your heart a little bit. So we just want to jump right in since our time is short, but since you are an advocate for Matt for men. And, and have a voice, and, and your book really has made an impact. I mean, three million copies, that's pretty significant. But what was the greatest need that you saw that you realized that you must do something about? Okay, so, uh, yeah, I've written uh, 20 books now, and, and they all basically are the same thing, and that is that no man wakes up in the morning planning to fail. I mean, nobody <laughs> listening to this broadcast or whether it's the man himself or a woman who loves a man, listening to this broadcast, woke up this morning and thought to himself, well, I wonder what I can do today to irritate my, my wife. Well, actually, probably a few did that, but anyway. <laughs> irritate my wife, uh, neglect my kids, uh, you know, let my boss down, have a moral failure. And uh, yet, that is going to happen. Now, uh, we, it's very interesting because we live in a pop culture now that just, basically ridicules men in general, and Christian men in particular. And so a lot of the guys that we work with, and we've, we've helped 35,000 churches impact 12 million men. So we, uh, you know, we work with churches all over the country. And it's so interesting because a lot of men today, because of the way the culture is shifting, uh, are just really finding it difficult to sustain what they started and really get a grasp on what it means to be a man, a godly man, a godly husband, godly father, biblical manhood. And uh, re- a disciple of Christ. And so I wanted to write this uh, latest book, How God Makes Men, uh, to really help guys just engage and embrace some ideas that will get, get, get them away from this kind of cultural Christianity that's out there that seems to kind of want to gut their manhood, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is, it is inter- interesting that you, you mentioned that because even um, when you look at what's going on on television and in the movies, you have these very strong, you know, women playing these roles and they walk all over their husbands or their boyfriends and they kind of take uh, just a, a, a second place in the, in the lives of families. How, how the enemy has, has really built that up in our, in our culture. And unless you're watching for it, you don't even really see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely seeps in. And so it's interesting, uh, guys, because when I uh, travel, I will often meet a stranger, and when they learn that I work with men as a vocation, they kind of knit their brow, and they'll say something like, wow, you work with men, that must really be hard. And I, and I just hold my hand, and I say, stop right there. You got the wrong guy. I said, I have the best job in the world, because every day we see men coming to Christ, growing in the faith, serving the Lord, God is powerfully working in men's lives. You know, but with that said, we do need to do this reality check because what it means to be a man today really is under severe attack. 
being fiercely contested, as you said, by the enemy. And so uh, what I wanted to do is, uh, all, all my books are the same, but this new book, How God Makes Men, that I've written, uh, in particular, the idea is, is to help guys realize that the Bible is bulging with stories about uh, relevant stories about men who face the exact same kinds of challenges that we face today. Now, the cultures are different, but the problem is is that a lot of times guys think that the, the Bible is just a bunch of famous guys with long beards and longer robes riding around on camels who really don't have anything relevant to say today. But, of course, nothing can be further from the truth. So these timeless principles, to, to roll out these timeless principles uh, that, are, that are there for the guys that are facing the same kinds of issues today. That's, that's what I'm doing in this new book. That, that's so fascinating because I, I think that is, we really need to get back to that. So many times we do read the Bible as, oh, this is just history, rather than looking at the stories and go, wait a minute. There are real people, real characters in the Bible, and I, I know um, I was speaking with a guy who felt like you know it's his time to be put out to pasture, uh, especially in ministry. He felt like he was getting too old, and uh, you know as a worship leader, etc. And you do you you when you really look and go, okay, look at how old Moses was. Look at how old. I mean, God uses everybody at whatever season that where they are in their life. And um, we have a tendency to go, no, 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 that was back in the Bible days. Well, and you talk about you, men and also with women as we, as we raise sons to be, to be godly men and to really embrace what it looks like to be a man. How, what, would, what are some principles or things that you, would, that you would like women even to know and families uh, in raising their sons? Yeah. So, you know, Man in the Mirror is the organization that, uh, you know, I head up. And uh, so what we do is we help churches to be more effective discipling men. And uh, what we have found is, is that, and it's really from my own experience, because, you know, when my dad was uh, a young boy uh, at the age of two, his father deserted the family. So my dad grew up in a home with a, a fatherless home, a home with a single mom, and she she did the best she could, but they were dirt poor. He'd never felt the scratch of his father's whiskers. He'd never smelled his father's work clothes, never, you know, tossed a ball in the backyard or anything like that. And so he basically had to, to guess at how to be a dad to me and uh, a husband to my mom. And so he became part of a church that had a vision to do the work of God, but no, really, there were no men in the church who, when he walked through the door, saw this young rookie father and husband and knowing what needed to be done, mobilized, took action, took him under their wing, and uh, taught him how to be a man, how to be a man, how to be a husband, how to be a father. And so uh, bottom line is, is that long story, long sad story, really. But I quit high school. My next brother uh, followed on my footsteps. He died of a heroin overdose. Uh, my next brother never held a, a meaningful job for more than six months until he was 50. Mm -hmm. And my youngest brother is a recovering alcoholic, divorced, and uh, a hermit. And so and my dad just never saw it coming. But I got involved in a church. Uh, my, my wife, long story too, but uh, part of it's in the book, How God Makes Men. But uh, my wife led me to, to, to faith in Christ. And then uh, we started going to a church. And by God's grace, the church we became part of, there, there were some men who did have a vision to take me under their wing, 
and show me what it meant to be a man and how to be a, a husband and how to be a father. And so I've had a very different result from my life. And so to answer your question a long way around, uh, the, the answer is is that uh, we need to get churches to, to look at uh, being more effective in men's discipleship. And, and that's what Man in the Mirror does. In fact, uh, on, as an aside, Man in the Mirror, we're hiring 330 full-time area directors. And so somebody listening to this broadcast uh, either might be interested or know somebody who would be interested in a full-time career in men's discipleship. Men, basically, men who love Christ, love the church, and really want to uh, have a passion to see men become uh, you know, disciples of Jesus. Uh, so we, we help churches. We, we, we're consultants. We're not vendors to churches. And uh, so we're looking, we've hired 80 men so far in the last two and a half years, and we're looking for the rest of these men all around the, across the country, one for every 1,000 churches. Uh, that's the territories. And so if anybody's interested, they can learn more about that at areadirectors.org, areadirectors.org. But the, uh, the answer is, is that helping churches to, to more effectively disciple the men, the best thing we can do for the women uh, in, in our culture is to disciple the men in their lives. The best thing we can do for the children is to disciple their fathers. Really, uh, it all boils down to just really raising up godly men who understand what it means to, to walk in biblical manhood. Make sense? Yeah. Totally. And, and I know even at our own church, we have a, um, a, a dynamic men's ministry called Men's Challenge and Iron Man, a weekly Bible study that meets with men. And they just get together as men and talk about the real issues, you know, that men are facing. And we need mm-hmm. to be creating those environments where when men can come together just as men and, and talk about the things that that are that are challenging to them and the issues because they are different than women and that's why we also need places safe places for women to come together and talk but appreciate that you are creating that desire and the opportunity for churches to to really see the need to really pour into and and speaking as women we appreciate that i know women so appreciate when when the church and people rising up and helping their men be men and it's, we want to be cheerleaders for our husband as they become the best men they can be mm-hmm. and even our sons you know changing the next generation so they in, embrace what it truly looks like and means to be a man of god but okay so your book we're we just uh, want to make sure that people can find where you're at you, your new book how god makes men and how can they find you we just have about a moment a minute left how can they find more information about yeah. your book and about your ministry and what you're doing yeah. Well, thank you for that. Uh, so, yeah, you can yeah, you, listeners, you can go to patrickmorley.com, patrickmorley.com, and uh, find out information about the book. And then there are links also to the area director's site, also to Man in the Mirror, which is our, our main site. That's, uh, that's uh, the most robust, the largest uh, discipleship website in the world. Uh, thousands of uh, free articles, free videos, uh, resources. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a voluminous thing. I actually can be a little overwhelming, <laughs> but, but uh, I'll also, I teach a Bible study to 10,000 men. Uh, most of them are doing it through a, an online small groups in their own communities, and you can find out more information about it. All that's at patrickmorley.com. And so would love to connect with you. Men, I'd love to sit down with you, have a conversation, tell you about the things I've learned about biblical manhood. 
Well, we and so thank you guys for having me on your show. Well, we so appreciate it. Thank you so much. And unfortunately, we have to take a break. Thank you, Patrick, for joining our show and, and for letting your own journey of meaning and purpose lead to this dynamic ministry. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll continue our conversation with author Daniel Ryan Day. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a -a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do. In love, life, and business, she is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to our show. We are going to be talking with our guest, Daniel Ryan Day. And Daniel grew up in a Christian home, went to a Christian school, and worked for a Christian ministry. It sounds like uh, mirroring our lives, Lisa. <laughs> Yet his life was more about good intentions that, than good actions. But that changed when Daniel asked one simple question. What if making a difference in the world is as easy as going without something? And that question led to writing the book, 10 Days Without. And I just want to welcome you, Daniel, to our show today. Hey, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Daniel, I have a funny story. This morning, my my daughter, she's in junior high, and she asked me, Mom, who's going to be on your radio show today? And and I told her, we have an author, and he just um, he wrote the book, 10 Days Without. And um, she immediately said, well, say goodbye to my Christmas gifts. <laughs> so, <laughs> apparently, she didn't see you well, being you on our show. You can assure thing. her I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, you can assure I'm not going to take her Christmas presents away. So, 
I think it was the word without that really got her at this time of the year. And that is a radical thought talking about 10 days without. I, I like the 10 day parks. It's yes, not like yes. a lifetime without, but that you, you framed it in 10 days. But going back to um, you remind us again of the significance and the power of a good question. And it was a question that kind of launched Patty and I in our ministry like over 13 years ago. We asked each other a question that led to this whole journey of like, okay, here's here's what it could look like. And your question, what if making a difference in the world is as easy as going without something, has actually led not only to your book, but led to a movement. And we want to hear more about that. So tell us about your journey after you asked that, yourself that question, where did that lead and how did you get the 10 days without? Yeah, so um, you already kind of alluded to my background of growing up in somewhat of a Christian bubble, and, uh, and you know, the question that I always struggled with was, how do I live out my faith every day? And um, I was reading in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus talks about how we should live and how we should live differently and looking out for those who are hungry and giving them something to eat or those who are thirsty and giving them something to drink. And I realized I wasn't doing any of the things that he mentions in that section, and um, and so that's where that question came from was, well, well, I need to do something. And instead of always talking about problems, you know, I have, I have the tendency to be a coffee shop Christian, a guy that mm-hmm. meets with friends in coffee shops, and mm-hmm. talks about the problems in the church or the problems in the world and yet never does anything. And mm-hmm. so the question was really just, okay, what if I go the opposite way? What if I try just doing something? And the reason I came up with the without concept is because in many ways we live in a culture of with where, you know, bigger is better and more is merrier and wealthiness is next to godliness. And, you know, our goal, uh, especially this time of year, seems to be, you know, getting more and more and more. Um, and which, you know, again, money, possessions, and comfort, it's not that those are bad things, just that's the culture that we live in. And so the reason I wanted to go without something is because I felt like I needed to step out of that culture and refresh a little bit and reset my brain to make sure that I was seeing the world the way God sees it. And so that's where the concept of without came from. And the reason I went 10 Days Without Shoes to start um, was, well, in a way, I was kind of knocking off Tom a little bit. It was just the first thing that came to mind. And um, the reason I went with 10 was because, uh, well, 40 was a more spiritual number because it's in the Bible. (laughs) My wife looked at me and was like, you're going to go 40 days without shoes? I was like, yeah, you're right. Well, a week seems too short. And so we just kind of came upon the idea of 10. Um, But I just, you know, I heard that there was 300 million kids around the world that didn't have shoes. And I was like, man, there's got to be something I can do about that. And so I went 10 days without shoes and raised $171, which provided around 37 pairs of shoes for kids. And, you know, you you mentioned this becoming more of a movement, which is really cool to see that. there's this guy in uh, uh, Virginia named David that has also gone without shoes, and up to date, he's raised 1,125 pairs of shoes, um, mm-hmm. which is just insane. And so, what does that look like to go 10 days without? Like, you, so, how do you go to work without your shoes on, and how do you get into the restaurants without your your shoes on? So I found most places to be pretty understanding if I just told them what I was doing and why I was doing it. Um, mm. But I also made a commitment at the beginning that I would not, um, that in trying to make a difference in the world, that 
that wouldn't mean I was not being loving and mm. respectful of people. And, and so if there was a grocery store or a restaurant that didn't allow people without shoes, then for those 10 days, I just avoided going to those places. But a lot mm. of them were super understanding that that really didn't happen much. It was the opposite. They were like, yeah, come on in. You know, use it as a story um, on the blog to get people to uh, engage with, with this. And uh, so, yeah, it, but it, at the same time, though, it was kind of gross, too. I, I remember the first morning <laughs> I got out of my car to fill up my car with gas, and it had just rained. And I don't know if you've ever thought about how disgusting gas stations are in the rain, but I definitely did that day. <laughs> I stepped out of my car and was stepping on this wet petroleum mix. And, then, and uh, I thought that was going to be, you know, my worst problem of the day, and then I ended up getting to the office and realizing I have to go into the public bathroom, um, <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. There's no reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there would be unique challenges, and a lot of times we, we focus on the challenges, and we go, oh, I can't do it, because you, you do think about those floors and how it's going to affect affect us, and you go, oh, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, uncomfortable or, or, or do all that, and it stops us. And we, we stay stuck at that good intentions part, like you talked about. So what does it look like to push through that? Because I think a lot of us are going, okay, that is just really cool. I love to be a part of that. But then when it comes to actually activating it, we start thinking of the realities of that. How did you mentally push through that? And what are some things that you learned in that about yourself? Yeah, so I kind of hear two different questions there. One is the you know, the good intention side and where that comes from. And then the other side is, you know, getting getting past it. And the way I, I'll start with the getting past it. The way I get past it was, um, you know, what I kind of just did it without thinking, um, which I know is very counterintuitive. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, I, I knew that if I took time to really think through the problems and whether this was going to be good or not, I knew that I would end up not doing anything because that's often what I do. I sit in coffee shops and talk about the problems and I talk about homeless people and yet I never help them because I don't know how to help them. And so on one level, I just kind of wanted to push through it. And the way that I found to, to do that on kind of an easier level is to start with a much smaller amount of time. You know, maybe 10 days without is too long, but a weekend without could be great. Maybe a family needs to have a weekend without media together um, just to see you know, hey, we live in a media culture, so if we go without media for a weekend, not only will we probably have more family time, but it'll not distract us from things that are important, like making a difference. Um, and the reason I got so passionate about this was I was sitting, sitting in a coffee shop with my friends, which is where that whole concept comes from, and we were talking about what it means to make a difference in the world, and I looked outside and I saw this homeless man on the street, and I thought to myself, I should help him. And then, you know, I turned back to my friends, and we were praying together and, you know, praying for God to show us how to make a difference in the world. And I turned back outside and thought to myself, oh, I bet he just panhandles for cheap liquor. And then I turned back to my friends, and we were talking about Jesus, and somebody pulled out their Bible, and we were reading that Matthew 25 passage and the James 1:27 passage where Jesus says, you know, to live an active faith and not, um, not just be, you know, head knowledge. Um, and... I looked back outside and was like, you know what? I don't have to give him money. I can just give him food. And then by that time, it was time to go. So we all hugged each other, threw our cups away. And I think I was halfway home before I remembered the homeless man on the street. Um, and I wish I could say that that story has only happened one time, but it happens all the time. 
There's all the time where I, you know, I drive past someone that I see who needs help or I know someone that needs help and yet I don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And that was the day that I realized awareness by itself is not enough. It's not enough to know about the problems in the world. It's not enough to feel bad about the problems in the world. We have to do something about them. That awareness needs to lead to an idea of how to help. And that idea needs to lead to an action that helps solve the problem. Um, and so that's, that's the reason it's so important to get past good intention. And probably the best way to do that is just to take a small amount of time, like a weekend without or something like that, um, and then make sure you have accountability uh, so that people can make sure that you're doing whatever it is you said you were going to do. Mm-hmm. And and that's such a good point. I, I love what you, you said because we, we do have a tendency to project the just being cynical and so much skepticism. I know through our church we do an adoptive family program. And in the past there have been some scenarios there that you – there was just that, that – you know, that gut feeling, like maybe you're being scammed a little bit. And and who knows, you yep. know, what, what their need is. But we're not the ones to figure that out. We're doing it to be kind and because we're being obedient to what God has asked us to, to do. And then let it, let it go at that. But we, we do, we want, we want to be the ones that, you know, pick and choose. And I know this weekend, uh, my family adopted another family. We went over to bring them some Christmas gifts and through the dialogue on the phone, um, I couldn't understand what she was saying. And so my, my gut reaction with my daughter, we were saying, Oh, she's just a druggie. You can't even understand. And then when we got there, she was a, you know, brain cancer patient. And so she was having a difficult time. Did you feel a little guilty? It was beyond guilt. It wrecked me. I mean, I sat there in church, like literally I was weeping, singing, I surrender all. Cause I thought, who am I to judge? You know, it's just, just go about and love, love, love others. So I, I love this concept. That's, that's amazing. Well, and it's something that we all can do. We can think of something that we can go without. And I like that distinguished because we really are a culture of with. And like like even, you know, Paris, like, okay, I heard without. How's yes. that going to affect yeah. me? And and that's our, 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 our first inclination is how's that going to affect me instead of how can this make a difference for somebody else? Mm-hmm. We look at ourselves first. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm pointing the finger right at me because oh, I I'm see that finger I know. pointed. Because, wow, because Daniel, I I so, I'm hearing, I mean, this is a a challenge of, you know, that, that whole thing without, and, um, and, and so what, what are some other challenges without that you have done? So I went, uh, 10 days without furniture and without legs, without speech, without human touch, uh, without a coat. Um, and I think there's a few others as well. Uh, that I've done. Each one was in response to some need or cause that I saw in the world. Um, okay. So that's that's kind of how I we're came gonna, up with it. We're going to have to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking about 10 Days Without. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. 
My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are back with our special guest, author, and activator, Daniel Ryan Day, who has created a movement with his book, 10 Days Without. 10 Days Without is an experiment that fights a culture of excess. And I love this quote from Johnny Erickson Tata. She says, my friend Daniel Ryan Day leads us on a fascinating experiment of what it might actually look like to get back to the basics. And what he discovers is absolutely captivating as well as intriguing. So, Daniel, tell us a little bit about what is coming out of this 10 Days Without. What are you discovering and what kind of feedback are you getting? So I'll start kind of on the uh, internal, personal level. Uh, I've learned a lot of different things. And the quote that you're talking about there about getting back to the basics um, from Johnny, I really didn't expect to experience um, some of the basics when I started. You know, I thought this was going to be something where, you know, it's just fasting in essence, and I was going to go through these um, fasts and raise money, and and that would be the the end of it. But... What I found with each experiment is that God taught me something very specific. Um, for example, when I went 10 days without speech, uh, I've never realized the power of a voice before. We kind of live in a culture that elevates the individual voice to a really high level, whether it's you know voting or standing up for what you believe in or putting your opinion as a review on Amazon. Um, mm. We all you know have a voice, and, and that's been elevated in our culture. But there's a lot of people around the world that don't have a voice. There's around 27 million slaves in the world still. Um, and, and so when I went without talking, uh, I realized the power of a voice because all of a sudden I didn't have that power. I didn't have that ability to stand up for myself. I didn't have that power to tell people what I thought or what I believed. And, and so because of that, I realized, okay, the voice equals power and authority 
what am I doing with that power? And, you know, it goes back to those, you know, passages in James that talk about the power of the tongue. And I guess for the first time in my life, I really started to experience what that looked like. Um, or maybe it was 10 Days Without Legs where I realized the power of Christian community because it was the first experiment I couldn't do by myself. I needed mm-hmm. people to drive me to work and drive me home. And I remember the organization that I worked for at the time, um, we had an event on a third floor of this non-handicapped accessible building. And a friend mm-hmm. of mine actually carried me up all three flights of stairs. And another friend grabbed the wheelchair and carried it up. And so, you know, I just got a, a taste of what it would be like to be in a community where everybody's got each other's back and they're looking out for each other and loving on each other, which is exactly what, you know, God calls us into. Um, and so on, a, on an internal level, I learned a lot of lessons, you know, those basic lessons. And then what I've seen kind of come out of this, um, these experiments is I've just seen people get really excited about it, whether it's, you know, I had one guy go 10 days without sugar uh, just because he wanted to eat healthier. Um, you know, whether it's, it's something like that where they use it as kind of a personal internal goal to, to get ahead of, you know, whatever their goals are, uh, or whether it's somebody that takes, you know, 10 days without a coat. I had a guy in, in um, Minnesota that went 10 days without a coat, and I have another lady that's going 10 days without a coat and closed-toed shoes, and she lives in a place where there's a lot of snow, and so she's trying to bring awareness and, and raise coats and uh, gloves and, and boots for kids that don't have any um, in her in her area. And so that's kind of what's been coming out of it, which is just really cool to see uh, people get excited about it, and it's you know and actually making an impact on their communities. Mm-hmm. Well, I love how committed you were to, to doing this. I know Lisa and I, we, we thought we were going to do a, um, and I can't even remember how many days that just shows you how committed we were. We were going to wear our t-shirts and just raise awareness, um, for just human trafficking. And we had our team, you know, everyone was wearing the t-shirt every single day. And then we were asked to speak, you know, be the, I don't know, the chairperson at this, this luncheon, this woman's luncheon. And all of a sudden that, that commitment changed because we thought we can't wear these t-shirts when we're getting up there, you know, on the microphone. So it, it, just hearing your story of here, your friend had to carry you up, you know, three flights of stairs. It's like, I would have been like, well, you really don't have that to wasn't do a good story about us that you had to share. <laughs> It's like, to be that committed. And when you're, when you're at that level of commitment, how did that affect your family? Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, in fact, when I did, uh, I did 10 Days Without Touch, and for each one of these experiments, I kind of helped my, the blog followers help me design the experiment um, because I did have little kids at the time, and when I went 10 Days Without uh, Speech and 10 Days Without Touch, you know, I didn't want to raise money for orphans by treating my kids like orphans. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I needed, my, my kids were very young, and um, I had a two-year-old and a one-year-old at the time, and so I, they didn't quite get it, or at least I thought they did. And so we had these little exceptions for each one where, you know, like when I left in the morning, I could give them a hug and a kiss, and then when I got home at night, I could read them a book before bed and cuddle with them in their bed just so that they, you know, knew, okay, something's not wrong with Daddy. Um, but during the 10 days without touch, I thought my kids were too young, but I asked my two year old, um, and I actually pulled a video of it, but I asked him, you know, Hey, why is daddy doing, going 10 days without touch? And he goes, cause of all the kids around the world that don't have mommies and daddies to love on them and hug them and kiss them. Mm. And I was like, what? Like, how how does my two year old understand what this is about? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, I, you know, I was, I was very committed and it definitely made an impact on my family, but it was an impact that I didn't expect. I mean, my kids literally saw their daddy um, and their mom, because my wife did some of these with me too. Um, you know, we were really committed to uh, sharing with them about people that are not as privileged as we are. And now my kids pray for our kids that we sponsor with compassion or, or whatever uh, every night before bed. Um, so it's been really cool to see that aspect in our family. Well, and like you said, when you start doing something, when you know, when God calls you forward and you think you're doing this one thing, and then there's always, he always multiplies and has so many other significant ripple effects from that. And, and that's what you're seeing. And what a great way to cast a vision, even for our own kids and our families, to see that you know, you're so passionate about something that really matters. And, and you know, and, and it's a great way to, to tell a story, cast a vision, and create the experience all at the same time. And that's a great challenge for mm-hmm. us, you know, in our families, in our church families, and in, in life groups and youth groups, wherever to go, let's do this together mm-hmm. and let's do this experiment. And then let's talk about it and process it out loud. And, what, you know, what do we feel? There's a lot of times in life we don't even take time to feel and we don't take, take time to process, you yeah. know, what it, the effects and what it means. And what's good about this, one of the many things, is it, it can slow you down a little bit to go, let's, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. And what, is, what did this 10-day experiment experience do, and what does it look like in creating awareness? So um, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing just how something – so. and uh, it goes back to, you know, it's easy to stay stuck in the good intentions because we want to do something on such a mass scale. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing so much – you know, things are so highlighted on – through social media and different things. So we think unless it, it reaches the masses, it's not effective mm-hmm. and it's not significant. And that's such a, a myth. And if like if each one of us just did something and didn't worry about what it who it affects, because that's God will take care of that. He multiplies, but we just are called to do with the one thing and even the one thing today and let God take care of the the effects of it. And that's that's what you're saying, and that's what you're seeing. It's just obedience and letting God do the miraculous with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have a great story about that because there was one experiment where I felt like an absolute failure. Um, when I went 10 days without a coat, the reason I did that was because uh, I, had, I had run into the president of um, the rescue mission in Colorado Springs, and he was telling me that they need 5,000 coats specifically for single moms and their kids because that's the fastest-growing population of homeless people in the United States. And, and I was like, man, I bet I have some extra coats at home that I could donate. So I went home and I laid out all my coats in my bed and then I laid out all my other coats in my bed and then I laid out all my other coats in my bed and realized that I had a lot of coats. Mm. And so I decided, you know what, I bet there's other people like this. So I'm going to go 10 days without a coat and see if I can, how many coats I can collect. And so over that 10 days, I had more publicity than I've ever had, which was just so cool. God even brought in a uh, snowstorm halfway through. Um, as I was going without a coat. And, uh, and so I got on the news a couple times, two local news radio stations. Um, you know, someone in North Carolina, their Sunday school class heard about it. They did it. Uh, and the pinnacle was this lady came out of nowhere. Uh, she had never read one of my blogs or knew who I was, but she saw the story on the news and dropped off an entire bag of kids', kids coats. And I got mm-hmm. to the end of that experiment and thought for sure it was going to be successful, but I had only collected around 100 coats. Um, and, but the need was 5,000. And so, you know, I, some quick math shows that I came up 4,900 coats short of impacting a problem in my small community. 
in one state, in one country, in the world. And so oftentimes we get paralyzed by these huge problems in the world and we end up not doing anything about them. And if I had looked at it as the world problem, then I would have continued to feel like a failure. But God showed me something. Um, you know, what if I had been able to go back and meet one of the moms that had gotten a coat and asked her, you know, what did it mean to you to have a coat and to have your kids have coats for the winter? You know, do you think she might have said it meant the world to me? And so I realized during that experiment that, you know, instead of trying to change the world, I need to make it my daily goal to change someone's world. Mm. And if I do that, then I think I get close to what the heart of the gospel is all about. That is such a significant um, kind of giving clarity is, is changing someone's world. And that's a great perspective to look at that instead of, you know, change the world. And you will change the world when you change someone's world. Um, and as we said, God always multiplies. Well, gosh, Daniel, we just have one minute left. And just appreciate you taking the time to join us on our show and to sharing your life experience and to challenging us and inspiring us. And even at Christmas time, going without, you know. Mm, yes. <laughs> but um, <laughs> how can people read your blogs and learn more about so they could do this own experience, experiment experience, you know, in their own families or groups. How can they find you and find your blog? Yeah, so my blog is DanielRyanDay.com, and um, they can pick up the book at any uh, any bookstore um, online uh, or in the store itself. Um, and and really, the book illustrates. There's a lot of how-to in the book of how to do your own experiment. Uh, so that'd be a great way for them to connect. Um, they can also check out 10dayswithout.com. that has some uh, details there as well. Um, and that's probably the best way to connect with me and, and uh, what we're doing. Well, again, thank you so much for joining our show. We have just been thrilled to, to just be able to have this conversation with you. And you've, you have challenged and, and inspired us and made us a little uncomfortable, which is a good thing. So for all of you listening out there, we have talked a lot today about moving past good intentions to actions. And what could that look like in your own life? Take a step forward and see the difference you can make. Have a great day and make it happen. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the